Hello, and welcome back to another podcast. This is JC. The song you're hearing is Fossil Falls from Super Mario Odyssey, which is one of my favorite games. And today, Sean and I talk about the difference in intrinsic and extrinsic motivation when applied to games and game design, and how that kind of results in a need to balance each of those types of motivation, and also how the game designer needs to dance with the player a little and not be just a strict dictator of what the player should do. I think we had an interesting conversation about it, and I hope you enjoy it the way we did. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Midnight Lantern Podcast. My name is Sean John Barlon, aka Swan, and with me today, as always, my co-host JC Reno. How are you doing? Pleasure to be here. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me again, yet again. Of course, you know it's, it's been great having you all, all these weeks, man. It's I think we're at time. Uh, we're almost Six. at like thirty episodes in total. About wow, <laughs> feels like a lot. Nah, wait, that's the wrong math. It's yeah. like fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, I don't know where I got that number from. <laughs> I was like, "What is? What even is the bit there?" So this is uh, episode six, and uh, we are at episode eight. Actually, we recorded episode eight yesterday. Actually, yeah, for the, for the this podcast. is coming out on Monday. So yeah, it came out yesterday. Oh shit! If you're listening to this on a Monday, specifically so, yeah. October fifth. <laughs> oh shit! That is fifth. Yeah, four. So yeah, go ahead and check out that podcast. If you haven't, we talk about Tenet. Tenet and, yeah, why Christopher Nolan, has he fallen off? Who knows? Find out. (laughs) Those guys know, though. Go check them out. (laughs) (laughs) But on today's podcast here at the Midnight Lantern, (laughs) we'll be talking about uh, about? just the motivation behind uh, playing video games and even the design behind uh, Designing motivation, yeah, and how yeah. there's various ways of doing that, and some to different pro and con effect. And there's this intrinsic versus extrinsic kind of battle that goes on. Exactly, it, it's exactly that. It's it's intrinsic versus extrinsic. This is kind of um, mostly what I have been thinking about to talk about today is from uh, the Game Maker's Toolkit, where he talks about. Um, some of the stuff that we'll get into later. First, I was wondering, what have you been playing as of late? This is a good question. I've actually been <laughs> playing video games again. I know I kind of hit this one week or two where I was like, gaming's for chumps, and I still believe it is. <laughs> it uh, but sometimes I just embrace I am a chump, and so well, um, I've sometimes. been playing. I've been I've been playing this new game called Hades. It's so yeah. good. It, well, that's a game that'll chump anyone, really. <laughs> oh, man. It's from, uh, what is their studio called? Supergiant uh, Games. <laughs> I keep thinking Giant Slayer. But, I know. Uh, that's a Twitch channel. Um, oh, that's why. But, uh, yeah, so Supergiant, they made Bastion. Yeah, very uh, well known for their artistic, indie, kind of narrative-heavy style games. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, Hades was their first breaking into more of a a different genre well a different genre and exploring a game system although i don't i haven't played it i'd love to play it soon but 
the it seemed like they didn't prioritize narrative as much as the game mechanics mm. although what what do you think i disagree I it. okay <laughs> yeah and i, I look yeah. forward to them doing it masterfully it's what so good the narrative is really what breaks it or uh separates it from these other roguelike so hades is a roguelike rpg game and mm. they really add a lot of freshness and a lot of flavor to the roguelike elements by okay, they, okay. Like, let me let me prod you wait finish that and then i'm curious uh, they they mask like the core basics of what makes a good roguelike in terms of like making the run feel different every time and hmm. you know adding benefits the more you play so like you, it's kind of rewarding failure as if like it's okay to fail because you're still building up but then they mask it very uh, cleverly and also hide it behind um, lore and the way they tell the story oh like failure is part of the story yeah Wow, that's fucking genius, actually. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, <laughs> did you have something to say about that? Because that's actually really no, interesting. That was it. Okay, that's fucking cool, though, that they, that combination. Well, I was I'm telling say, you, it's so good. The way that, um, the way that, uh, something like Binding of Isaac, the story there was like, you had a cutscene in the beginning, um... And then you have cutscenes kind of at the when you beat the bosses and at mm-hmm. the end. Mm-hmm. But the way it really told the story or the way you got a sense of the world was like through the items. Mm-hmm. And so the, it was always kind of just like gross and morbid. And that's the style of Edmund McMullen. He has very um like his first like four or five game projects were about dead babies. Like <laughs> and just like really gro- and one was called a uh, cunt made a game called oh, wow. cunt and it was just um it was just like a dick and you shoot. Uh, unknown liquid at a at a, like what looks like a big circle planet with of a vagina. Wow! And and yeah, like not like let's talk about art house games. That's <laughs> a strong, this is early strong. But then he made um Binding of Isaac, which is also you shoot with your tears essentially. Like mm-hmm. that's the mechanic. But you learn a lot about the story and and the world through the items and yeah. not really the narrative. How does Hades do it? Is it something like that? How does it tell you? How does it convey its narrative? So Hades, instead of items, like upgrading your your tiers, like Hades. in Binding of Isaac, yeah. you get boons from the different um, deities that are Mount Olympus. And so when you interact with these boons that are in each room, um, they ha- their line of dialogue contextualizes their relationship to Hades, to the main character, which is Hades' son, and it's like, hey, you got to get out of the underworld. And then at some point, they have narratives in terms of like, um, like more into the lore, like who his mother is and like why you're trying to escape the underworld in the first place, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. And when you fail the whole lobby, like you can interact with all the NPCs and every little line of dialogue is um, almost like a, uh, the, the, like the quest dialogue is... Uh, there's no quest, but it's like it's almost as if it is quest dialogue because you're understanding more of the world and it okay. gives it a nice, the and everything's voice acted, so it's like really good. Oh, that right, I saw that actually. That yeah, there's no blank text. It's always yeah, that's and that's why it feels level. so engaging. Where it's like every interaction I feel like it it does matter because it it's almost as if it's it's never like they're meeting. There's never like a repeating moment even uh, when I'm interacting, because it's like, oh, I'm seeing this person again, and it's like, it's reflected in the way the voice acting is and the lines are. 
I see. It's, it's never like it's really you just dynamic. Get a, you never just get like a throwaway repeated line. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that sounds like fucking dude. It's so, so good. good. We can have a whole episode about Hades. Okay, um, <laughs> it's so good. I'm like in love with it. And this is the first time I've played a game that isn't based on extrinsic value. But uh, we'll dive more we'll into that. that. <laughs> yeah, so I was gonna that's say, what I've like, been playing. The like Supergiant always does that well. Like they always mix in very strong voice actors, um, really strong like music and art style, mm-hmm. and and they just really go out on that. So that's it's nice yeah. to see. the The person that did the music for this game is actually the voice actor for the main character. Well, that makes sense, kind of. So it's so kinda. it's just so um, well done by like a small team of talented people, and it's just it's really good. I highly recommend it. Um, if you are buying it on Steam, it comes. There's a bundle that comes with Transistor, uh, Pyre or Pier. I don't know. Pyre, that's called Pyre. Pyre, and also Bastion, and also the soundtrack for um, Hades and Bastion. So you get a lot of bang for your buck for yeah. forty-seven dollars. I always love that about those games. With the uh, you get the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I yeah. would just listen to the Bastion soundtrack in the background of back in the day. Yeah, so cool good. Stuff. But yeah, I've been playing Hades. Uh, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? I've been playing a lot of... Um, I really like what Epic Games is doing with their free games. Mm-hmm. I've kind of just been playing the free games I get in Epic Games, even though I have so many other games to, to that are at the disposal. I tried playing a little bit of a Yakuza recently, Yakuza 0. Oh, yeah. Which was definitely more interesting. The Japanese GTA. Yeah, yeah, but it's very... um. I don't know. It's very Japanese. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> it's Japanese. It's not just like like GTA isn't made by people from those locations. It's right. just inspired by the sort of locale. The culture and, of that location. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sin City. Yakuza really embraces that culture and has a lot of weird uh, <laughs> commentary. <games. laughs> yeah, and commentary on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah our game mechanics. But then Yakuza is very... Um, it's the kind of like the same game every time, like because it's uh you're always a yakuza, you're always a gang member. There's not like it tells a whole story. It's very the the way the story builds in with them, the way it's paced is is, is so strong. And I I wasn't ready. I haven't played a real good, I think AAA, um like modern game in a while. Um, so that's very it's fresh. It it feels cool. I don't know. It's been a bit since I played that. I've also played a uh, football manager. <laughs> uh, just to try that. <laughs> is this like a like a football manager simulation or something? Yeah, yeah, it's a simulator where you run it, but it's for um soccer. It's uh, football. Mm. So okay, that's more interesting then. Yeah, <laughs> like okay. the, the that change in sport made me way more interested. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you were like you kind of like quantified that whole thing with a smirk, yeah. as yeah. if I was talking about <laughs> no, no. I've been playing fantasy football. I mean, that's interesting. Right, right. Um, okay. <laughs> I always forget a big part of my even though I play, I play like a lot of different games. Um, I played a lot of Madden when I was younger. Right, was I always saw I you as like this football um, <laughs> guy, person, right? Yeah, because that was your, your main sport growing up. And mm-hmm. I actually this thought occurred to me before. And this is a side note. I might cut this. Is okay. like we always play basketball, and me that's like and my circle of friends that that's our sport. And yeah. so I'm like. Damn, like JC just never gets to play his sport. 
<laughs> I know. And it's, it's like it's not even safe anymore at our age. But yeah, that wraps up what we've been playing and what we've been up to. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive right into this episode. Yeah, so I think talking about the, the central idea is intrinsic versus extrinsic uh, motivations, especially in games and how you design. And um, this actually goes into a, a way that I feel very strongly about game design, uh, where it's... It's not like the the game developer is like some game puppet master thing where he's dictating how the player like I think it take it's a really um it's more of a relationship with the player. Mm-hmm. And it's more it's less like a dictation and more like a dance, I think, because it's like you can't the game maker is dependent on the game player. Like, it's not... I don't think it's the other way around. I think that when you're making a game, you're dependent on the people playing it uh, to 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 meet whatever it is you're trying to do or to understand it or to go along with it or... even Understand it is probably the best way to put it. Um, and if you try to overly dictate, you end up reaching these... I, I think of them as, like, local minimums in design or in game design or as yeah. some sort of... Uh, you restrict the potential of... The gameplay. Yeah, yeah, like the range of which you, you kind of normalize the the like total value that everyone, everyone kind of gets a similar value out of it, but you don't allow for people who maybe do really like your game to get deeper into it. So you don't get anyone really interested. If I'm saying if you're developing for extrinsic, and I'll go into that a little bit more in a second. But yeah. this was kind of defined, or th- this kind of came to me and, and you too from uh, the Game Maker's Toolkit video. Right, he, he makes a lot of great videos. And, yeah, you know we got to give him credit and not just say that. We <laughs> yeah, we're like we're just steal all his content. Yeah, no, you're right. So to like help contextualize any listeners is that this video talks about um, the design behind the reward system that in a lot of modern games tends to exploit or yeah. implement in healthy ways. Um, and so like what you were saying specifically about. Um, like the the bare minimum of the gameplay restricting yeah. the rest of the game. A yeah. really good example of that is the way they designed Don't Starve, which is the example in the video where the designers at first didn't have any kind of like task list to do or any achievements um, and kind of just threw the player into the game. And they struggled with players not, not knowing what to do. You, they were kind of just lost in the dark like yeah. actually cuz like the game is about survival and so <laughs> um to fix that they're like okay let's let's give them like um this really um minor task to do that it will say like you know survive four nights or something like that and so mm-hmm. then having that small amount of tasks to help learn about the game and how it works like oh i'm supposed to survive oh i build this i craft this i gather this um that helped get their feet, uh, get them on their feet in terms of like the new player experience. But then mm-hmm. it became so focused on that that the the players no longer were experimenting or trying new things or really exploring the game further and deeper. Where they kept, they stayed at that level of like I'm just going to complete this task that's shown in front of me. Right, and they're not going to go beyond that. They're just going to do exactly. those things. Yeah. So, and that's not what they wanted. They wanted you to eventually get into right. it on your own so the example the the study that he referenced in the video was about um i forget who did it but you know listed in the bio 
Science. In the comments. <laughs> it's science. In the end, it's science. But what they essentially did in this study was they gave they took a classroom of children, they split them up into two groups, and the first group they said, okay, draw something. And I don't remember what it is, but draw something. And we'll give you a reward at the end. Uh, it was like candy or something. Um, so, something that will that they find valuable. It's a reasonable reward that they care more about the reward than the process. And then on the other side, the other group, they just said, draw, draw this thing. I think it was like an animal. Um, and you don't get any reward. And we're not even going to mention a reward, but go, just draw it. That's what you got to do. And so the group that had the reward was would draw the animal and it would normally be pretty pretty fast pretty efficient they'd get it done and they'd take less time on it than the other group and they would not continue drawing afterward for the group that didn't have this extrinsic reward they would take more time on their drawing they would continue drawing afterward and the drawings would generally be better in terms of quality and like personal you know uniqueness um and so that's essentially the difference. The first group was an extrinsic reward. The other group was an intrinsic reward. And that can play into a lot of game, like you could say types, and maybe there's different reasons people play games. A good example of an extrinsic game would be like an MMO or an RPG where you have a quest list, accomplish these quests. A good example of a of an intrinsically valued or motivated game would be like Minecraft or... Um, normally they have some achievement stuff now, but then also create more creative games would be more oriented towards that. And every game, I think, and that's what we were talking about with uh, Don't Starve, it tries to hit some medium where it's enough to get your feet wet, but it's not enough that that's the only reason you're playing the game is to fill out the checklist. Yeah, and, and the key component to being successful is actually this third group of students. So the two groups that were originally split for the drawing experiment was uh, the one group that was promised a reward and one group that um, was not given a reward. And so there's this third group that I think is important to that healthy balance that you said in terms of game design, where mm -hmm. they were just told to draw something and the reward was a surprise. Oh, right. So in game design, that's where players are rewarded for diving deeper into the game and exploring on their own intrinsic value. And they were, they're given a reward for it, not even knowing that there was something behind that, you know, wall or something up on this tower that you climb in Mario Odyssey just to see if you can get there. And so that's why I think a lot of Nintendo games do it very well because there's no task list or quest to go to this area to explore this jumping puzzle or whatever it may be it's just there because the game it's like inviting you to explore it mm. and then you don't even realize that it's there's like a minor reward to it right right like and so i think that mario odyssey is one of my favorite examples of great game design and also um just like it's like designing freedom like it's just so it's it's so charismatically and cleanly done um and i think a good example like i think contrast mario odyssey with something like uh dark souls would be an example of what i think where extrinsic uh extrinsic definitions or extrinsic uh, motivation isn't always the worst thing um 
But it, 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 I think those are like a good difference. So what I love about Super Mario Odyssey is how getting through the game at, at the base minimum is not a very demanding task. Like it's kind of, uh, it's kind of just the, the underlying thing that makes you kind of move forward or, or mm-hmm. have something to do when you don't know what to do. But the, the large portion of the game is this like, is opportunity. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like with the surprise, but the rewards for exploring on your own or being curious about what's happening in the world, like it makes you want to be curious because it's so charismatically done, which there's no way to just design that in a bullet point way. It's just, it just takes charisma from the creators and, and, Mm -hmm. and like honest, um, artistic and creative sort of sentiment and, uh, being personally motivated as a designer to do that way. Yeah, even behind the mechanics and the way the game feels right. mechanically. Right, and so like when you when you go do different things or try to be creative with the game, it'll reward you in a way that surprises you, which is just totally what is in the study, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's like, so you go to a new place, you don't expect to find anything there, and then there is, that's like, what the... <laughs> but like, oh shit, that's like a, that's like a dance with the... The, the player with yeah, the player and, and the, the developer yeah. there's this, this interesting back and forth where it's like uh, okay i see what you did there and it's like okay, oh so that's what you did yeah man i need a moment <laughs> it's yeah the way so those good. games are designed like that um so like that's where the like the value kind of of the medium of video games is right because uh maybe because we take so much in terms of experience as my personality type <laughs> where <laughs> yeah. the experience where i am emotionally and like just that that feeling of the game and like where that is in relation to the game uh really like sits with me and there's yeah. a lot of times in games where there's these beautiful moments of experience of <laughs> of like uh yeah y- you know i i just especially in mmos but i know that mmos exploit it a lot it's like where i'll be doing this jumping puzzle or i'll i'll be doing this i'll be like exploring and there's just like this one corner that like nothing's really pointing me in that direction but i'm kind of just exploring and then yeah you get this like you get this interaction with an npc that is not even tied to any quest or anything it's just like oh this is like a living and breathing world um with these npcs that's totally what the intrinsic, I think, motivation of MMOs, because MMOs are like the worst offender of extrinsic kind of yeah. uh, oh, yeah, incentivizing. Sure. Like it's totally just questless, do the quest. Yeah. And I, I, it's so easy to just get caught up in yeah. um, just task complete, task complete. And I, you know, everything else about the world just like in one ear out the other, in one eye out the yeah. But uh, yeah, I was gonna say I'm definitely not um, like praising MMOs because it this is a example of the intrinsic because um like like you said they're the worst offenders because literally anything in terms of exploring and where there is a reward it's like numbered and it's kind of like you there's 60 of these in the game go find all 60 right and, and so it like, defeats the purpose it's it's entirely like it, not only that, like it spends so much time where it's like go kill fifty or thirty of these things, you know, and and that is you spend a good amount of time, especially throughout the game, just doing those things where you're not doing anything else but spending time, and it, it, it's like it's meant to because the intrinsic dr- you know draw of MMOs is this 
idea that there's a world and you're in the world and there's other people and we're all here together like doing something but i think the novelty of that is just kind of lost and that's why you don't really see a lot of like mmos aren't the forefront of twitch right now yeah yeah the the era of mmos has definitely died and a lot of it has to do with this whole intrinsic versus extrinsic where these game companies and designers that are pushing MMOs and that are pumping this kind of content. Yeah. They aren't, they aren't doing a good job of balancing the extrinsic and intrinsic in a way that kind of is honest with the player. Oh, totally agree. And (laughs) except we talked about RuneScape is just honest about pure extrinsic but I can talk about more about that kind of uh, yeah. intrinsic versus extrinsic values in one game later on in the discussion. Yeah, yeah. I think what I was going to say too about MMOs is it's like the fact that they're failing, it's like the, I think what are you, I've seen a lot of game developers do in terms of just the MMOs I've played is they try to focus on the extrinsic systems. So they try to think about what are ways that we can refine this? Or how do we get player retention? Like I remember Guild Wars 2, which is the kind of the one that we played the most of. Um, over time, they started implementing like daily tasks, like do things daily. And it was like, just log in, do the daily task. It was meant to get you kind of your water, your feet wet in the in the game and maybe explore and do other things that you might be interested in. But it started to be easy to just reduce the game to, well, I'm just going to do these tasks. And then it came to a point where it's like, why do I even do these tasks? Because I don't even care anymore. Stop! Um, you're 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 killing me over here. <laughs> that that's, that was my life for that's personal for too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just what happened. It's because they're trying to. It's because they didn't focus on the intrinsic motivations of um, MMOs, which is that fantasy, imaginative, the thing that's present in in a D and D live action um, where you have a dungeon master. That kind of imaginative. Um, reasoning is it's stale the the systems that it, it operates on are stale for mmos and i don't know what you do to improve that but it's like the problem that i've seen is like they focus so much on like how do we focus on these extrinsic things we built this whole world based on these principles and now they've run out it's like how do you innovate on that it's really i think a difficult thing um but it, it, it's like the it's something more fundamental than a combat system or right. a progression system or yeah. a task list or an enemy type even. Yeah, and the scary part is that, um, like as a pl- MMO player, and I would consider myself uh, an MMO player. Like that's my main game. Yeah, that's personal. It, the scary part is I don't even realize that that's what's happening. I don't mm-hmm. even realize that I'm literally just doing dailies just to do dailies. Because to me, it's like I'm playing the game. This is mm. the MMO. This is what it's become. And I'm not aware of it. Um, mm. But the awareness I can talk about later. Mm. What I want to do bring up, what I, what I want to bring up <laughs> do want is, to. is this idea that it is so focused on extrinsic value because of the monetary value behind this oh that's right so like for example uh the the biggest mmo world of warcraft and just the company in general blizzard yeah uh pretty much sold out to activision and activision 
focuses way uh, too much on that that monetary like deadline right to make money and the only way to do that is like what you said the extrinsic design of games versus like actually just a good intrinsic experience for these games yeah and then that's when you get shitty releases you get unfinished games because they're just more focused on like we need to put something out for like the shareholders we need to put something out because this meets this deadline and this will make enough money like you know right we talked before about like the the shareholder and that that concept as a as a whole and how that yeah how it influences a company to do what they do um yeah, it seems like Activision really the way they force out games, the way, and I think EA too, the way they, um, mm-hmm. and the way that they implement systems that monetize on those games. A lot of times, what I see is that EA say they bought Star Wars, they use Star Wars, but it was like here they have this label, they have a game that matches that expectation reasonably, and then they overlap whatever monetary um, extractive uh, systems they can to try to juice out the game which you know despite how it interrupts the game they, they they're professional so they implement it pretty well but it's like the soul of the game isn't there and i think a lot of people have a concern for that and it's because they have to keep meeting these you know quarterly numbers or else the shareholders are displeased and that's an entirely extrinsic motivation which is we have to make our number go up to this point you know our 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 quarterly earnings up to this point as opposed to let's make a good game because I care about games and I want like something it's so like the whole company, these entire companies have been like, it seems derailed by this extrinsic. And now we're seeing something like, uh, what was that? What, what was it? Dreamhaven. Oh, right. So like you said, there, there's this, they lost their focus on just making good games and just like having the soul of it. So a lot mm-hmm. of people from blizzard, um, quit blizzard around two years ago at least in the past two years and one of them was actually the ceo of blizzard mark mike morheim who was Mm -hmm. behind like blizzard when it was like peak blizzard like world of warcraft um warcraft 3 uh diablo 1 and 2 starcraft 1 and 2 um you know just these classic blizzard games the gems i'm sorry i I, warcraft as well i I know it's that's your favorite i was like worried please don't forget (laughs) so um I'm sure there's like other Blizzard fans. So I was like, what about my Overwatch? But uh, <laughs> I think it was you know, after Overwatch was after. Yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Mike Morheim, after two years, he's quit now. Um, he's starting this game publisher and company called Dreamhaven, and it's a big slap to the face to Activision. Like, yeah, not explicitly saying that's this isn't what he's explicitly saying, but like really the underlying intentions here is like we're trying to create a safe place for game developers to focus on making good games without the pressure of of these uh companies like activision these people who are so focused on the greedy aspects of like exploiting extrinsic design for money for monetary purpose yeah yeah the uh, the executive sector you could say yeah and so it's just it's just good to see uh this was announced like this week, like October, first week of October. Yeah. Um, that Dreamhaven is is that's their new goal, that's their new mission right now. And um, mm-hmm. it was it was uh, what's the phrase? It was <laughs> oh god, I I'm so bad <laughs> at my <laughs> idioms. Um, 
but it was really fresh to see and like good to see, especially in today's uh, world of the gaming industry, because I don't think it was, we, we, we both knew that it was in a really bad state, but we didn't have any light at the end of the tunnel. We were just like, well, we're just going to yeah. wait around, you know, because there's no solution. Um, yeah, we for, couldn't like, really if we think. don't have that yeah. vision. But Mike Morheim comes to save the day. <laughs> Mike, because I think, goal. like, it's not just Blizzard, because I know we're really this is just between two companies, but really I think this is, like, huge in terms of in relation to the the gaming world like literally microsoft just bought out bethesda for 7.8 billion dollars and if that doesn't speak about like the monetary focus of the game industry right now it's like that's literally yeah that's it yeah because i think that all these all the triple a games right i think indie has had a, a strong sort of portion but in the end it's like you know, India, India, it can be limited in terms of what is possible for uh, in the grand scheme of, of a triple A game. Um, and the way that it's been is the triple A companies, they're all public except for Valve, but Valve hasn't been doing jack shit. <laughs> and there's, you know, there's internal reasons for that where they had the whole um, everyone should just work on whatever they want. And that's a great ideal. That's a great like if you get strong, like a uh, smart, creative people, and just get them to work on what they want, won't something great happen? And the answer is actually not really. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, the answer is no. Um, in the end, you do need some kind of. You got to have that, and you got to like enjoy what you're doing, but you got to be able to focus in on. And that's the point, right? You can't just be only intrinsic either. Like you, you can't detether all your focus. Like you can't have any goals. Like you can't not have goals and just expect something to happen in a concrete way so that's the thing you got to kind of mix it around but uh, other than the the all these games that have gone public it didn't seem like there was any real private studios you had something like uh, a fine super fine oh my god how, fine bro what the fuck how do i even forget this uh something something fine the people know exactly what i'm talking about but they are very narrative focused super giants kind of indie um so it's like what and blizzard is obviously taking over so what what games company is there left it's like ubisoft has always been in the shitter and it's like oh now here it is this is why that's what you mean by like this is like our the light at the end of the tunnel it's because many things were happening in games many exciting things but in terms of like where the spotlight is where the spectacle is the the industry that's supposed to challenge hollywood yeah yeah where's where's the soul of something that's supposed to challenge hollywood where's the something something good something juicy yeah yeah, that here this seems like something that may potentially be juicy and what's crazy is like a lot of uh gamers um may not even realize it because they're just so used to this being the norm and it's like dude what what happened to the good games like what 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 are we playing right now like i'm literally playing like a game, well, I don't play these kind of games, but like, for example, <laughs> like these Battle Royale games, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> like, sure, there's intrinsic value, but then they focus so much on the like the the battle pass, which is extrinsic in terms of yeah. qu- quest list, but then there's a price behind it. Like, you have to actually buy it before you could even, you know, right. get well, the rewards from it. So it's like, mon- it's exactly that example of monetizing the extrinsic yeah and i mean value pass, out of the game oh the battle pass was so genius actually i was the first time it came around fortnite early on there were some other games that did it but god it was so 
it was just so well done where you could the the idea was like I'll pay for it once and if I play the game, which at this point that I'm paying for, I fully intend to do, uh, I'll make back all the money I need to keep playing. It's like the EVE Online kind of thing. Right. But imagine if the standard wasn't insane, like it wasn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. and it's not a game that has an insanely high learning curve. It's just I have to play the game and it's like, that's fine. I like playing the game. But then it comes to a point where, yeah, why are you playing the game? You get caught in that unknowing extrinsic yeah. loop. Like it's, it's uh, definitely genius, especially for free to play games to like make it money and like to kind of for people to support why this game is free because there's a lot of like Valorant's a free game but it's so well done um yeah and then you you buy the battle pass but it's the fact that that's the norm kind of like behind the des- if you put yourself in the designer's seat and like the developers and like the people pushing the money it's like yeah. it's kind of evil almost yeah because of how good it is because they like <laughs> you said it's that dance with the the player it's no longer a dance they're just right. like they're right. forcing us they're leading us and we're kind of just blindly following right it's an exploitation it becomes yeah. an exploitation, which is of course like you know i've talked about this before that's kind of the the ethos of your your mobile gaming sector oh god advertising. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's horrible the free-to-play mobile sector anyways that's all and what's crazy is that that. literally no less than a year ago we were talking about how um mobile games were the future um like when we first started (laughs) this whole midnight lantern podcast that was the biggest topic we were talking about was like is mobile games the future diablo immortal like is mobile games right but we've come to realize now that we've studied a bit more and been more in tune with the industry and the direction it's going Mm -hmm. is that it's not that mobile games is the future it's that the uh, structure and design of mobile games was the future and now they're just implementing it to the consoles and pcs and it's Uh, sucking the soul out of like what really makes good games true i see and i honestly i think that also started with league of legends i think it was early on was league of legends pay for aesthetics even though that seems very yeah that kind of is uh, cool like it rewards for the um like the aesthetic if they can be as charismatic then you go oh that's a good tip yeah. i'll tip you well, for i'd that. say league's a whole different story in terms of like what you get out of it okay yeah no i agree i'm just saying i think that was like the origin of where where the, it started to like microtransactions was starting right, right, right. to play on free to play games on, in desktop and yeah. stuff like that but uh, uh yeah dude Riot, stuff. riot's doing pretty well right now Riot, yeah, well, there's Riot, but that's all they used to have is League. Like, they've just now started getting into stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if they've fully proven, like, they can't, they haven't done a full, like, you could say single player narrative yeah. thing. Well, it's like, always just you, been. What you said always about Riot, they're good at what they do, but they're not original. They're never innovative. Right. At least well, outside truly. of the, they're not like innovating genres. They're kind of just taking what's good in this genre and they know how to advertise it and market right. it and design it in a way that like you you can't resist not playing it. Yeah, it's like they make they make concepts that are good but not marketable, marketable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that. They're so they're so good at it, goddamn. But <laughs> in terms of like innovation and like where um like just like the classic soul of game design is I think the future is with Dream Haven right now. They have the first right. uh step towards um hopefully a brighter future for the gaming right. world at least some at <laughs> least so dramatic about. i know that is very the language 
the tunnel has been so dark. I've been in despair for years. Dreamhaven's gonna cure all our depression. <laughs> They're gonna say cure cancer. <laughs> I was like, wow, <laughs> that'd be crazy. <laughs> it's exciting. I think that's something to genuinely be excited about. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited for Dreamhaven. Shouts out to Mike Morheim and the ex Blizzard employees. Yeah. Stepping into this new uh, company and hopefully put out some good games. Mm hmm. And they have enough veteran status to like lead newer developers and like people look up to these, uh, especially Mike Morheim, oh, you know, because right. yeah. he, he knows how to make good games. Just but, tied uh, in all those things. Yeah, it's a great yeah. foothold. Yeah, for sure. One last thing to discuss before we uh, close this episode is close like, it out. now that we have understand and, uh, and discuss about this intrinsic and extrinsic value and like how we um, kind of see that in games how has that affected like your approach on video games just in terms of the extrinsic ex intrinsic extrinsic yeah because I, for me like i've definitely had a change in perception and the way i observe games and even an observation of myself yeah, yeah how you approach things um i think it, it's nice to have a clear cut like this i mean i've definitely i've always had an intuition for it and i can tell i can see where the game maker's toolkit guy was kind of coming from or where he um or like what why he wanted to make this video because it's totally it's like he he actually found this the the study to back up what 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 he's trying to say or like what what we all kind of feel already which is that like so so for me personally it's it's like i have too many steam games and i'm mm -hmm. on the humble indie bundle so i keep getting new games and I always feel like I start putting the my games in like a box, like these boxes where it's like I have to play this game and this is my next game to play and I need to finish it by this deadline and because I you know I don't want to get overwhelmed by all the games going on. and so I start just like completing a game like an entire game is just a checkbox mm -hmm. just to and and then my whole library is a checkbox and there's worked have been times where I look at my Steam library and just feel like exhausted and yeah. like like ugh I thought you were gonna say is, depression. <laughs> oh well depressed hell yeah like yeah, yeah just, just depressed and like why this is just a giant hill to climb as opposed to i don't i don't even know because it's been a while <laughs> as opposed to like all these interesting cool ideas and innovation and art you know fundamentally art mm -hmm. uh look at all this art it's just like look at all this shit i gotta do <laughs> um and that's because i was imposing all these extrinsic um uh, requirements on myself i didn't yeah. just play what matter and the thing is like you know speaking of the myers-briggs i'm perceiving so i it's hard for me to make a decision on what i want to play even so mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah it, it's like stuff like that I'm, I'm always aware of and then i'm i can tell when a game really grips me so for example mario odyssey as opposed to and i i know we can get into this and so I, and i never really finished this was the mario odyssey versus dark souls um yeah. where mario odyssey it gives you the it gives opportunity to um be creative and express yourself like you know express your ideas in the game uh and it, it rewards it through this raw charisma whereas what dark souls does is it puts strict kind of limitations on you it, it, it puts strict barriers in place and that you could say is extrinsic um even though the the motivation to beat it is entirely you know from my own you know, your own reasoning, but all the limitations and all the only way to get through the game, just to progress in the game is overcome this leap, like complete this skill barrier. 
and doing that is hard and requires you to set goals and it kind of imposes extrinsic things on you. Dark Souls is entirely, uh, it feels like weights. Like the weights that is, I think are similar to trying to complete all my Steam library. It's like a hill to climb. Uh, it, it's an external axiom to defeat. And I think you were talking about that before when we play like Melee. Or, or like getting better at the thing is kind of... That's kind of how abstract intrinsic reward is, or intrinsic motivation, right? Like, when kids draw something, what what is that? Why are they into it? Why, why is that intrinsic motivation, just doing it out for its own sake? Like, there's a lot of very personal, complex things going on that are very quickly summed up by intrinsic game. Nah, it's intrinsic. So... I think all the overlap there is really interesting and kind of complex. Like, you, could, I could say that uh dark souls is more of an example of extrinsic uh, motivation because not exactly though it kind of is yeah, really it's pure. it's like difficult to really pinpoint because obviously these these games aren't just like black and white in terms of like intrinsic versus extrinsic because yeah there's that complex gray area where it is um I, I put extrinsic value in this, but at the same time, there's opportunity for me to have a, a internal experience with the game. And right. like my example, of course, as an MMO player was especially at Guild Wars 2, where I've had a lot of um, experiences that I see as intrinsic, um, but it's based on the extrinsic structure of the game. Right, like goal setting occurs. Yeah. But it's, it's within... Well, what's your example? Because I know you do a lot of stuff that you get interested in, and you were describing that as extrinsic. Yeah, so, like, for example, Guild Wars 2. Um, like, for me, I could... Like, the narrative's all right, you know? Like, it's, the yeah. MMO stories always are just all right because they're yeah. so focused on, like, you know, the, the structure and concepts and the, the mechanics right, right. of the game. And even me, like, I, you can kind of tell when they're doing the story, even how they always say commander and, like, the, the role play, it seems like a bullet points from the writer to be... Yeah, it's just like the sure. outline, like, uh, we need to hit these emotional beats exactly. for the, the story. To... Also, like, make sure we call them commander and that they, uh, that they're, you know, everyone has this kind of thought about them, even though it's like, I don't know why anyone thinks anything about me. I don't understand what's going on, really, from a fundamental story point. It's just that I can tell they're trying to make me feel a certain way. Right. And it's not working because I'm so conscious about it now. Like, And so that's an example of, of, you know, narrative extrinsic. Yeah, so, like, that part sucks. But yeah. where, where I find, like, the intrinsic value where, like, I, I enjoy playing the game is when I... When... Um, when it, it 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 always like surrounds the extrinsic values mm-hmm. in terms of like okay I need to do this quest I need to do these dailies at these daily fractals or these yeah. weekly raids, but because that's because that's like the main structure of the game, mm-hmm. an intrinsic experience is so contrast to it that it stands out. Uh, which which is kind of like it's like yeah the the game is exploiting you're not exploiting but like yeah the the game's main focus here has just become taskless but that may be because of me as a player mm-hmm. um well where, we can't, it's, yeah 
Okay, yeah, I need, I need to take a side here. So, like, <laughs> so, okay, the game designed in a way where you have these dailies and these weeklies, and so it's like, that's just the whole game at the end game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've done everything in Goers 2, so, like, the end game really is just, like, what what am it's I crazy. checking off the list now? Yeah. It, but because that's been become the main focus, it gave me opportunity to, like, um, stop and smell the flowers, so to speak. Oh, that's interesting. right. Because I think it becomes that uh, it, it's like uh, it, it strangles it. The extrinsic motivation strangles the intrinsic, it, and it's because it becomes a reductionistic uh, kind of experience. Like the, all the detail of the game is no longer meaningful because it's just about this reduction of these things. Yeah. And so, yeah, like it. You're saying that. Once it's almost like once you got over the hump, or like once you got out of the pattern of the uh the the list completion, it was like then you could see what was happening. Yeah, exactly. Like once I finally got map completion after going to each vista and doing every Damn. exploring every map, not to explore the map, but to get that stupid little checklist <laughs> done, and I'd yeah. skip all the cutscenes that followed because it's like, yeah, I get this is a beautiful scenery, but I need I have ten maps to do for this. Right, right. <laughs> like that's when I'm like, okay, I've done it all. Now I can play the real game. And so then like <laughs> it, it's I remember like, that. That's it's like that idea of like, whoa, I, I'm back in this zone that I was here like man, many like hours ago. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't even notice this here because I was rushing through that like task list. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I, I experience certain elements of the game there. Like I mentioned before, like, oh, I didn't notice this NPC dialogue. I didn't know this, this reference to, you know, yeah. to this or that in this small little village in this map. Like, oh, there's actually like, you know, how they're layering know, things the lore. Here. And I think um, MMOs do like, it's good that that's there. But because it's it's like a very small percentage of the game and like a minority will ever notice it, it's kind of like, what's the point of... Like, that's where the good game design is. And yeah. they'll say they have it, but it's not the main focus of it. Yeah. Especially when MMOs are trying to market, it's like, we are different because we include dynamic events that really matter yeah. and change the world. And then really it's like, no, like you're just masking the whole <laughs> get this done with and, the new uh, kind of yeah, and, and I can stay tuned for my Guild Wars Two video essay because now <laughs> that I understand this, it actually ties a lot into how Guild Wars Two tried to be different, but really maybe they're unaware that they were just masking the idea of quests. The concept of quests are yeah. still there. It's not like they got rid of them. It's just that now they're they made them look different. They they made it try to feel different or like uh, yeah yeah. Because I know ArenaNet was always trying to be the uh, the groundbreaking MMO that really changed the way MMOs are structured, in which yeah, they yeah. did to an extent, but then they uh, fell off. Yeah, um, it just it's like how do you maintain that without making enough yeah. money? I think. Yeah. And it was also it was like one of the examples for me. And I, man, I didn't want to get too much into Guild Wars because it's so easy. We do this every episode. I know, we just go to we're, Guild Wars. We're eventually just going to have a full episode <laughs> where we just either praise and roast Guild Wars 2 at the same time. Just expunge all our thoughts to so get it out. Um, but yeah, with like with Guild Wars 2, one of the things they did was like, quests Quests are like a checklist. Blah, blah, blah. So what we're going to do is make hearts. 
And instead, I mean, those totally became their own checklist, obviously, which is what you're yeah. saying. Oh, dude, I hated hearts. But, but yeah, the thing that is different, like, they thought hearts were going to be more efficient because it's like you stay in the flow of the world. But what you don't yeah. realize is that pacing requires, or, like, what's not considered in that point, I'm sure they realize it now, is that pacing requires, it's a, it's a intensity and a de-intensity and mm-hmm. a relaxation period. And so what Quest used to do when you're dialoguing is... Okay, I'm gonna. It, it breaks up the game. It lets me do something different. It's not the same, uh, kind of vanilla. I'm content. I'm fighting things. Yeah, vanilla content. I'm fighting things. I'm clicking things. I'm, uh, like it's like oh, uh, this person is talking to me, and they have a personality, and that's a way to bring in interesting experiences to the to the world. Whereas what it it became was like the exact opposite. And there's there's a principle in some statistics which is called um, the law of perverse um results. Mm-hmm. And I, I could. T- it's just totally the victim here because it, it was like, and, and how the the perverse results got its title. It's called like cobra skinning, something like that. Because how sneaky India, it is. Maybe I don't remember what it's called, but it, it it came about because in India they were trying to get rid of all the cobras, and mm-hmm. so they put out a, a warrant for like, hey, kill if you bring us a dead cobra, we'll pay you. They started paying people for cobras. But what people started doing was catching cobras and then growing them. And so once it was realized, like, oh, they're just growing the cobras, it was like, well, we can't. This isn't working. we got to stop rewarding people for just, you know, growing cobras and giving them to us. They're not reducing the population like we need them to. And then once that happened, no one needed the cobras, so they just released all the cobras. And so now the intention was let's reduce the amount of cobras. And the result was way more cobras than there were before. Right. And Gilbert Soup plays that victim of that concept. Absolutely, it, it, they wanted to make it more streamlined and more um, feel more like a like a like an engaging, interesting thing. But it actually, you lost engagement because you didn't have this pacing mechanism for questing. And right, it's like we want you to be exploring the world, but it's like I don't have context for what I'm exploring. I don't have a sense of like what's really cool about. I think Skyrim did this well. I think other MMOs did this well. Is like if you go indoors. It's kind of cluttered and small. And when I go outside, it's like so broad and vast. And I just never had that with Guild Wars. It was always like a toy. It felt toy-sized. Oh, my God. That's so true. So true, I know. I'm like, (laughs) uh, I'm shattering this this podium that I've I've built Guild Wars 2 on. (laughs) Well, the art's really good. Okay, I'll say that. Just so we can (laughs) say that. No, it's definitely a good game. And I would recommend playing it. Just... uh, Make sure you have this mentality, and I want to touch on this actually. This mentality mm-hmm. that you that you are aware of, like how the game is uh, relating to you in terms of intrinsically versus extrinsically. Right. I think the it problem was I was player. I was too naive to uh, understand <laughs> um, my approach to the game, and so my observation on games and on an observation on myself is that, um, like. I'm so blindly focused on extrinsic that that has become my intrinsic experience. Where Ooh, elaborate. Like, so like let's say I'm playing RuneScape. Okay. I'm I'm so much I'm I'm so tied to the idea of like I'm going to get the CXP, I'm going to level and in comparison to the rest of the players who are also doing the same thing, I'm enjoying it and this is this is like a internal experience for me now because it's like um like i'm not in 
like it becomes so enjoyable that like this is um i just get intrinsic value from it like this is me enjoying drawing now right right accomplishing these extrinsic tasks it's almost like your intrinsic motivation is to do that like because that's the thing though is like no one the reward for doing all that stuff is like there's no reward. There's no reward. In RuneScape, there's no reward. There, In the end, yeah, that, that's the thing. And that's what we were talking about. We've talked about an episode before how RuneScape doesn't mask itself. It just yeah. is what it is. So it's like I don't have to do this mental um, – like I don't have to do the exhausting, somewhat exhausting work of being conscious of what the developer is doing or yeah. whether – like the developers just like, here's the game. It's pretty simple. Uh, chop that tree. And it's like, shit, you know, it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. This is where it gets complex where it's like okay you the the goal is to like get a high level skill right so then right. where people and players such as myself get value of it is like how do i do that efficiently how do i min max right. that right and so that it's like we're creating our own value to it right and it i totally think is. i've done that with a lot of things in my life outside of gaming not realizing it i and mm-hmm. so it came down to like, I don't know how to um, have hobbies. I don't know how to hobby. <laughs> right. Because right. I approach everything where I need to do it efficiently and I need to focus on high performance. What is the right. best way for me to perform at a competitive and high level for me to enjoy it? Because that's where I get my dopamine and like that's where I just enjoy it because I've built it, because of my experience with these extrinsic focused games. It's yeah. just been bleeding into my real life. Um, right. This sounds right. like, this sounds so unhealthy, but like, I, I <laughs> no, it's, it, well, it's like, it's part of, um, man, that, there's probably complex reasons why, I mean, all the melee players I see have. Exactly. Melee like, is like the, the main epitome of that. Yeah. yeah. It's like the Mecca of that. Like melee is not a fun game, but it's so good. <laughs> it's so, it's so good. Yeah. yeah no, it, it's really it's like pure and whatever it is. And, but that's what I find is like, I think all the personalities that are in melee, melee. Yeah. And they're all even, just snobby elitist. Well, I would say even, not even that. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say interesting and not predictable, like right, varied right. and complex. And who knows? It's hard to say exactly what it is that makes someone get into the melee community. Wow, I don't you're just, know if you're just pretentious, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm just you're enough, just yeah. a melee player. Bro, yeah, I'm just a melee. I'm just... <laughs> I'm justifying my <laughs> yeah. my mental weakness, which is yeah. uh, just insecurity, probably. <laughs> but that is true. Like I would, when people say, "Hey, should I get into melee?" I usually say no, because mm-hmm. it's like I don't think. But that's it, part it's of like it. it's very hit or miss, and it, it, it's like most well, people, the, the average like, player, would probably not enjoy melee. If you say no and they still play it, that it was for them, like. It's yeah. They, they, that's who it's gonna hit with is the person who you tell them no and they still want right. to play it. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, that's no. the thing. That's like part of it. It's like you say no is part of the, the initiation. The whole thing. It's like <laughs> no, but it's true. Like with, with that, like they already have the right mentality of going into it. Like, yeah, yeah. They they know what kind of, what what's it, what they're in for. Yeah. So right, like we we just talk uh, about our games so we <laughs> have overlap. So like when I when I mentioned hobbies, it, it's like, um, so recently I, I've been yeah like I've been picking up a lot of new hobbies, but mm-hmm. I I didn't realize I'm approaching these new hobbies in a way that like aren't 
how you normally hop. I, I, I don't think, <laughs> like, even, like, think about it. When we were kids, like, what would you say our hobbies were? I don't, yeah, I, I don't even exactly. know. Exactly. Like, we just never had hobbies because we just <laughs> did everything, like, past the hobby mind. level. Yeah, with a greater th- goal in mind. And yeah, so, yeah. as yeah. an adult, trying to, like, I'm going to pick up a hobby. It's like, <laughs> wait, how do you... <laughs> How do you how do you what? do hobbies? <laughs> how do you just do something recreationally without having Rec- yeah, so like I for skateboarding it's like okay, this is a new hobby and then I'm just like all right, how do I how do I efficiently min-max my my yeah. learning experience so I can compete at like a <laughs> I can do this at a high performance, you know. And so yeah, I yeah. started to like eat healthier. I was like breathing i was like all right i need to drink water all the time you know like as if i'm just a, like a high performance athlete who skates and then it's like wait no no i, I just <laughs> and what made me realize this this isn't just skateboarding too it's like with um okay like volleyball or like soccer i've been trying to play other sports because i i've sat with basketball for so long yeah, yeah um and yeah like what made me realize it is like when other people say they also skate or they're like, oh, like, I, I also wanted to get into that. And then it just becomes like, oh, like their idea of that was totally different than how I was approaching it. Yeah. And it conflicts almost where I'm like, I don't want to do that with anyone else now because it's like, it's like, oh, well, they're not, fo- their, their goal isn't to have this high performance mentality and so I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. In the end, it's just, uh, it's like complacency. It feels like it, it yeah. feels like a dead end. It feels like a stunted goal. Yeah. And so I had to switch that, you know, mentality because obviously that's not very healthy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, <laughs> who would, who would want to like hang out with anyone like that? Yeah. Um, so that's been like this new observation because now I'm playing games like Hades where it's like, cause I Hades is the first single player game I've played probably in like so long. Yeah. I mean, that's a great one to play. Yeah. Because obviously being an online game, it's easier to extract extrinsic value because I'm comparing my experience to other people's mm-hmm. like level and skill level yeah. and an, at a competitive level. I just yeah. said level like three times. Yeah, but- and so, useful i now i'm able to approach single player games with a healthier mindset that i wouldn't have before like when i got into stardew valley i was still iffy about it i wasn't sure but now i know like the reason why i was struggling with stardew valley is because of this exact um battle between intrinsic versus extrinsic and me just not being aware of it Mm. and i think honestly like for and not to uh, again break the Myers Briggs no talking seal of the Myers Briggs. I think that like being perceiving, like we're both kind of in the perceiving type, um, yeah. And we're similar in, in how how I think problems that arise when we're a little bit younger. And it's like for me, the way I felt in terms of because I think that like you you kind of realize like you know your extrinsic intrinsic and the difference and how you should uh, motivate yourself. But I think for both of us, and for me especially, like I get put in the space of disillusionment where I can't have because I'm like perceiving, I'm taking in, I'm not, I'm not trying to go out and do something. I'm just trying to sit back and suck up and understand. Essentially, that's kind of my 
like my my entire life arc, I guess, is what, how do yeah. I understand? Um, and like the only way for me to actually gather myself and have some intrinsic motivation is I gotta go be alone and think about what I want to do, kind of. And it takes it takes more energy for me to muster an intrinsic, um, it like in a inspiration. And so I think that's I was just thinking that's one way for. To, to kind of not get caught up in the sway of, of trying to pick up too much, like you're just doing so many things or or um, doing things that are essentially unfulfilling. Like, you know, if you can get down to your, your true self and think about what matters, I think that that's, for me, that's the way, that's the only way I've been able to confront my, my Steam lobby or my Steam library. Yeah. Is like okay, I gotta go figure it out. Okay, now I know what I need to do. Okay, now I can go look at the screen because looking at it otherwise is it's exhausting. Daunting. Yeah, <laughs> daunting. Yeah, but that's but like a, that, a that's a healthy way to conclude this whole discussion of like intrinsic versus extrinsic and all the concepts we talk about. It's like really uh, maybe how, in my opinion, it's a healthy way because doing that in the real world of just like sitting down reflecting and like being on your own to even come up with the idea of overcoming whatever is in front of you in terms of work or like for you is like the steam library like you know just having that time to pause and breathe and just like mentally prepare for it you know that 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 will do wonders go along down the long stretch what is yeah. god damn it what's what is you know you know in in life overall yeah what are you dude i don't know because yeah. you confuse me by not having it by like saying something else but um yeah so yeah i think yeah that's good that's quality advice i should yeah. write that down definitely you you hear it here first <laughs> on the midnight lantern folks that's right the source of wisdom. We not only talk about gaming, the psychology of gaming, game design, we also give you life advice from what we've <laughs> learned segment. and discussed as we break down <laughs> various complexes of ourselves as persons, but also as players in the gaming world. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's a, It's easy to get caught up. I think you can... Uh... The, the gaming world is some, sometimes like a casino. It's, it's It can offer a lot of fun, but if you don't hold on to yourself, you're going to oh lose yourself. <laughs> any any last words? Well, I mean, thank you for listening. Yeah, I think this was a solid discussion. I know that's been on our minds recently. Yeah. Hopefully, thank you. I, I, you know, we, we got to the root of some some things. Yes. Thank you for listening. Hopefully it wasn't too all over the place. I know um, me and JC tend to like... Bounce around. We we both understand each other, but to a third audience, it <laughs> might not even make sense. It's but, not accessible. Yeah, but that is all right because, uh, you know, just the idea of this podcast and just putting it into fruition has been... Has done wonders for me and JC at all. I, I think so. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's been great to be able to like and have an outlet for just like you know not bottling up useless ideas and putting them in a journal or something. Yeah. Also, so, it, this is an example of like an extrinsic sort of organizer. We have this extrinsic responsibility where we want to record a podcast and right. Yeah, you know, that's an example of where it can be useful. Yeah, and where we take kind of intrinsic value from it, just from right. the idea of expressing 
our own thoughts and putting it out in a creative content way. Exactly. So if you are, you know, thinking about doing something creative out there, anyone listening, I know there's a lot of artists that listen to this, you know, go out and do it honestly, because, um, (laughs) just the, the actualization of (laughs) creating content, like from your vision and your perception and just the expression of yourself it's yeah. it's like nothing else beats that value and we've been talking about value on this episode mm-hmm. so that is my takeaway thank you for listening nice i i mean i couldn't say it better that's free that's pretty good you hear it you hear the closing song it's coming in it's coming in Again, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna put that song in for sure. Again, go ahead and follow us on our social. Actually, don't follow us. Just yeah, join the Discord. I, I don't want that on. Uh, yeah, social yeah, media. What is that? That's, that's go ahead and join the Discord. Short-term dopamine trap. Don't get caught in that. Discord's where it's at these days. Exactly. We are in the process of redoing the Discord a bit and fine-tuning some corners of it and making it easily more easily accessible uh for you and for us as well so uh go ahead and join the discord it's a bigger community too it's not like uh some weird it's not like just me and sean there in a corner like playing runescape the whole time (laughs) playing runescape (laughs) no it's definitely been a good um platform for everyone involved that we've been hanging out with so yeah stay tuned for more content and you can join the discord for all of those announcements and and maybe even some questions that we may uh feature yeah on the future episodes but uh again thank you for listening my name is sean it's been real i'm jc thank you peace yeah. bye